Welcome to episode 324 of the Max Ray Day Doctor Who podcast. My name is David, and I'm here for Ginger. Hello. And we're going to talk about the first episode of The Robots of Death. <laughs> we start with a view of a um, rocky and windswept planet surface. And um, then there is a huge ship like moving across the across the surface and um, it seems to be have uh, scoops blades at the front of it and it's causing some rocks to fall as it moves across uh, the landscape so it's uh, looks like it's mining breaking apart the rocks as it goes um, <clears throat> inside the ship we see there are um, very stylized looking robots of varying metal colors and they seem to be controlling the mining operation and um, talking about um, this level and that and engaging a storm reading in another part of the ship in like the crew's quarters a a communal room Uh, many of the crew are relaxing in one way or another talking One's playing chess with the robot. One's having a massage with the robot. Then there's another one who's teasing him about getting a massage from the robot and having a story about one of the robots they've heard of going haywire and pulling the guy's arm right off. And then there's more talk about, oh no, they have so many circuits they'd all have to go wrong at once for something to happen like that. <clears throat> the robots, more of them are in the room and they appear to not only be running the mining mining ship, but also um, servant robots to the crew. The crew of very have varied colored outfits, um, stylized and quite decorative interesting little suits with their hair, some of them, and most all of them have a, uh, looks like maybe tattooing on their face, like around, outlining an eye, an eyebrow, and then down the nose and back up and kind of around, and it's, most everyone has something to that effect. robots come in or radio in and that there's a a full crew alert a full crew alert um there's a huge storm coming and mining in the storm is preferable tonight aboard the TARDIS Leela is playing with the doctor's yo-yo and she's looks like she's tiring of playing with it and she says, you know, can I stop now? She says, oh, if you want. And the doctor doesn't realize that she didn't know it was a toy and didn't know it was a game. She says she thought it was part of the magic that makes the, the ship go. And he says, no, there's no magic. She says, and he explains. <clears throat> so she stops playing with the yo-yo and, and asks, you know, well, why is the, about the size of the TARDIS? Why is it, you know, bigger on the inside 
And so he tries to explain it to us. The inside and the outside exist in different dimensions. And then does a demonstration by showing her, it's like holding up two boxes, like which one is bigger? And then she guesses one and he sets one down, brings the other one to her and holds them up in this, you know, this forced perspective and says, now which one's bigger? And she still picks the other farther away. Says, but this one looks bigger. And so, anyway, kind of an interesting demonstration. Uh, but they're interrupted by the TARDIS landing. And he says, well, let's look and see where we are. And opens the view screen and it's just like a big metal wall. And it's like, well, why would you have landed inside something else and something metal? And uh, he says, well, I wonder where we are. And she says, you mean you can't control this, this ship? He says, oh, nine times out of ten. Seven out of ten. Okay, five out of ten. Um, then uh, they get ready to go and explore and see where they are. Leela goes to take the um, uh, disruptor weapon that she had from the uh, from the last episode, and he says tells her to leave it. He says I never bring a weapon, so I find that if I if you if you're not armed, then people won't think it or people won't aren't going to hurt you. He says, nine times out of ten. And the crew are um, taking their positions uh, from their rest period. Now that the storm is, is on the, upon them, um, they've put on more of a full dress of their uniform or uh, more decoration. Many of them have headgear that um, are very flowy, almost bird-like, like some of them like uh, exotic birds, parrots, and other uh, cockatoos and other things like that. <coughs> they find, uh, they're scanning the, the cloud of, of sand, and some of them say to others, like, oh, this is a good day, oh, we found this, and oh, you know, jackpot, it's, it's got this mineral in there, and there's also some talk between the commander and some others of some class strife. Is one of the crew, uh, Zilda, I think he calls her, is of one of the founding families and seems to be kind of a privileged class and makes uh, comments about her and apparently he's not of the founding families uh, classes. And so there's a little, there's some barbs that he throws about this. Another crewman is in the storeroom um, looking for something and then calls out to one of the robots to help him. Um, the robot comes over and comes to him and says, well, you know, take this item off the shelf here and I need you to do this. And so, and so he says, you know, well, come on. And the robot... <coughs> comes to him and his the eyes are glowing red and he comes closer and we see a shot through the through the eyes of the robot uh, very close up to the crewman as he advances on the crewman and then uh, attacks him the 
exterior area, there's uh, one of the others uh, walking by, and you hear terrible, terrible screams. So he hears this and runs uh, over to where he thinks they're coming from. So there are the rest of the crew are working the mine in the cloud, and um, a robot. Uh, reports that there's an obstruction in my forward scoop deck and then we see that that's where the TARDIS has landed. So the Doctor and Leela examine uh, more of their surroundings after they've landed. Um, Doctor's scanning some of the metal walls to see what, you know, oh, we're super hard, uh, hardened for space flight and uh, analyzing this and <coughs> so the the commander will hear him say, well, clear the obstruction and the scoop. And on a video monitor, we see a very much like the Toy Story, um, the claw chooses, the, the claw comes down and attaches to the TARDIS and lifts it out of the bay and moves it away. The crewman who discovered the um, the fallen crewman comes in to the to the mining deck and reports in that the that he's found their crewman Chub and um, he was murdered <coughs> and the commander is uh, not really very upset by the murder but very upset that this crewman wants them to stop mining the storm to go look at the body and investigate and have him to shut down. Um, the doctor and Leela are at the forward part of the where they've landed and it looks like they're looking through huge louvered blinds um, at the surrounding landscape and she sees something coming towards them. She says, what is that? So the doctor says, oh, it's a, it's a sandstorm. Uh, such velocity that they'll be cut to pieces. We have to get back to the TARDIS. So they run to find the TARDIS only to see that it's gone. So the doctor says, well, we'll have to close those, the louvers. And so they run back down the, the hallway, the breezeway, and they find that the, their louvers or the blinds seem to have already been shut. So the uh, commander and the other crewmen take uh, uh, go to the storeroom to see the, uh, the body of Chubb, and this um, one says to the uh, to the commander that well he's been strangled. It's obvious he was murdered. He was strangled. Didn't do that to himself. Um, and then they find a red disc stuck to his hand. Doctor and Leela are stuck uh, without the TARDIS, so they have to stay and, and find it. As they're wondering, you know, where it could have gone, Leela is um, startled because robots are entering the room, and um, then the crew have assembled in one of their main rooms again, and. The commander tells them that Chubb is dead and that 
one of the crew must other crew must have killed him. So we have a, a room full of suspects now in this murder, and they start to question one another. And one says, "Well, well, I was here during this, and I was doing this, and well, no, that I actually I went and did this, and there's a long conversation about that, and then the commander reveals the item that had been stuck to the man's hand, and one of the crew identifies it as a corpse marker, and he tells the story of how when the robots were." Um, there were uh, issues with them when they were set to be decommissioned and deprogrammed. Uh, they would put this little marker on the hand of, of the robot to be deactivated. But they, as a joke, they started calling it a corpse marker. So they say, well, not only did you have a murderer among you, but it's one with a twisted sense of humor. The robots are controlling the mining of the ship like, uh, and also have uh, taken the doctor and Leela out of the scoop area and into a waiting room, essentially. <clears throat> the doctor looks around as when they're by themselves and he tells Leela how they must be in the process of mineral extraction and that... Uh, sandstorm would be the best way to collect them because many of the minerals would be uh, near the top layers but having the storm swirl it up they would be able to collect more than just scooping the uh, the uh, Leela asks about the mechanical men and are they friendly and Dark says well they can can't be I mean, they have no feelings, so... And she says, well, what about the crew? She says, well, this, they must be a crew because robots don't need to sit, much less do they need to sit on padded seats and lie on couches like where we are now. A different robot comes in, SV-7, who has been on his, his uh, breastplate, and questions them about what they're doing there. And he says, oh, wait here and exits and the doctor uh, goes to the door and opens it with the sonic screwdriver and he's gonna head out and Lily says but he said to wait here says oh nonsense we can go look for the TARDIS find it take the peep around and be back before anybody notices so the commander is ordering all of his crew back to work and nobody wants to go back to work this point because there's been a murder um, and he says well the robots had informed him that their intruders had been captured and they were under lock and key so um, they were obviously the murderers so get back to work um, they still refuse and he says that's a direct order and one of them says well give it to a robot because I'm not going back to work and then he the commander radios in to SV-7 and asks for the intruders to be brought in to them so they could be questioned and he says well I was just going to inform you that they've escaped so they're poking around looking for the TARDIS um, 
Leela drops back and looks in the storeroom area and uncovers some plastic and we find she sees the body of Chubb. The doctor finds the TARDIS but then turns around and finds that he's lost Leela somewhere. So he starts uh, backtracking. Uh, he stops at a, a portal in the wall that shows uh, sand coming in. Um, and then he goes farther in search of, of Leela and sees another, like a hatchway door. So he opens that and it's a ore storage um, type area. So he goes inside with a trusty little flashlight in his pocket and looks around and there's another body on the ground. So the doctor uh, shines his light over that and then before we know it, the ore is starting to pile in from the mining operations and we hear somebody close the hatch behind the doctor. And so more and more is coming in, filling the kind of like a silo actually on the ship, filling it, filling the storage container, covering the body, and also covering the doctor. And the end. Really quite an action um, for a first episode. Have a murder right away. <laughs> pretty, pretty much right away. Pretty, pretty close, yeah. The first third of the, mm-hmm. yeah. And it was the guy you were bound to dislike anyway. So you're not really unhappy that he's dead. Yeah. Because he was very, he had a very grating personality in, mm. in the opening scene that he was in. Uh, is he the one who was telling you about the robot, robot tearing the, the other guy's, guy's arm, arm off, off as he's getting a massage? Yes. He's like, he's that guy from the office yes. who's going to, you know. <laughs> Who's going to tell you a story about something that's going to affect... Purposely to... Worse, yeah. Because it ties into what you're doing that they don't want you to do. Yeah. Something like that. To ruin it for you. Yes. Yeah. Um, I'd forgotten if it was the same guy. I wrote down several names of characters that I've heard, but I'm not quite sure who goes with what, except for the dead body. Mm-hmm. Um, uh... <laughs> I know there was da, Das and Tool, Tools, Tools. Zilda, mm-hmm. um, who was, I, th- I take it, the rich uh, family one. Uh, Uvanov? I think that might be. U- I think it's Uvanov. Uvanov. Yes. Is that the commander guy? Uh-huh. Okay. Who had the big... Uh, headdress. Headdress, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to be nice by saying headgear, but it's his is really kind of a head headdress. Uh, looks the most uh, bird-like, like a cockatiel. Or well, and I, it reminds me of a character out of a comic book, so that's all I see when I look at it. Well, it could. We all have our strengths. <laughs> we all have our interests. Um, I, d- I do like the the set work and the costumes and the designs mm-hmm. even the facial tattoos they're fitting with with everything else you know they have very uh, decorative edging on their um on the clothing they're wearing it's all different color i mean each is kind of their own color mm-hmm. one is yellow and one is purple and one is um uh, like grays and one is a darker blues and 
um, Chubby is a, a darker gray, but kind of sparkly. And there's all a, a, like a sparkly metal edging to the designs. They're almost very um, Art Deco mm. in the in the edging, the line, uh, thicker line, thinner line, um, uh, geometric kind of shaping. Uh, that's the decoration on their clothing. And then the facial tattoos is just kind of a little uh, echo of what they're wearing. So I, I think it works well. It's interesting, colorful. Colorful, sparkly, <laughs> magpie thing. <That's laughs> um, and the robots, the way the, the robots look are really nice. Um, very uh, like humanistic face, but uh, bigger eyes and, and uh, like a reflector material eye. And um, just like it's like it was made with like wide strokes around the eye to make it seem like it's more friendly looking. And it's like sculpted. Uh, almost like a powdered wig type um, hair that's kind of sculpted out of the mm -hmm. metal. Mm -hmm. And they also wear kind of similar um, edging on the, their uniform, their their clothing, I guess. I mean, it's, it's not something they choose to wear, but that's how they're all outfitted. Their right. livery, I guess, really is what it might be. And their their classes are separate by, I think, their the colors of their um, their metal tone. Mm -hmm. SV7 seems to be the one in charge and he's a gold-toned robot. And then there's some more that are his tone. Some are more silver-looking. A couple of them are like a, a dark uh, like patinaed color. Mm. <laughs> oh, well, I was going to say black, but it's not really black. It's just like well, there was one that was, one was black. A, certainly a really dark color if it wasn't black. A dark gray, dark metal. But I really like the um, the way they've made them look so far. Yeah, I had a small problem with the, the robots, though, in that in a number of the scenes, mm -hmm. you could see the jaw moving in the guy wearing the robot outfit. Mm. They should have done something to help to hide that a little better, I think. It kind of spoils the illusion. Mm. I'm surprised they had them talking at all and not just have a voiceover. Exactly. That's what I think they should have done. But that's not what they did, so you can clearly see yeah. that the humans inside are talking. Well, it's like the Cybermen, you could see the older ones, the little slit for the mouth, you could see them talking inside. Only the first couple. Yeah. The then they realized the they had a problem, and so they put mesh inside or something mm -hmm. to hide that better. Yeah. But this isn't a recurring character villain, no. so... There is no next time for them to fix it. I know. Make it better. <laughs> but you'd think they'd had enough experience in building robot characters. Yeah. To know better. Well, uh, any masked character. Mm-hmm. 
the Ogrons, for one. You know, those they didn't talk very much when they did. They moved their mask in a not natural looking way. Of course, Daleks don't have a mouth. So. No, but then you have the Silurians, you have the sea yeah. devils. Yeah. And those were both terrible. You think yeah. they could have learned something from those. Yeah. Yes, if Cybermen have not taught us anything else, it's that you gotta cover them. <laughs> ah, until they didn't. Until, yeah. And then they made that part of the outfit. Um, let's see. We haven't seen that yet. That's coming. Or no. I don't think we've seen that yet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I like that. Some of the, the model work is not bad. Um, they're trying. I'll try to give them points for that. A couple times we see a shot of the model and they've used the CSO to take the, the live action and like paste it into mm. the window section of the ship you know I know they weren't perfect but I thought they were effective yeah they, that was pretty good they hadn't really I don't think they'd done that before or at least I, I don't remember too many times that one looked pretty good I don't think they have uh, yeah I don't I know I've seen it in some Key to Time once, but I don't remember seeing it before now. Right. Um, Pirate Planet? Uh, yes, I think that one as well. One I was thinking of actually was the Stones of Blood, though. Oh, and really? They, and they go to the hypership. Mm, oh, right. With Chisser? Is that her name? Chisser. Chisser. <laughs> yeah. Can't wait. Anyway. Uh, but back I to think, this episode. Yes, I think the inset of the, the little like the control room as you'd see it from a distance on the, the big mining ship was, was done pretty well. There was a bit uh, the other model shot was when they have the, the TARDIS and the the scoop uh, deck and the they clear it by having the big claw come down and grab it and it's like that'd be the best prize ever <laughs> one of those machines <laughs> oh a TARDIS um, and we've been told it's spoiled by Toy Story because now it's everything is the claw Jesus uh, but I don't think that that model shot was too bad uh, they did not too bad with um, making it seem like the TARDIS model actually had some weight to it. They did it very slowly. Yeah, especially given that it was a model, it really wasn't too yeah. bad. Yeah, very slowly lifting it um, to make it seem like it really was an actual really big object. Yeah. Um, I didn't really like the bit with the um, window that the doctor looks at to, that shows like the, the sand coming being poured into I, get, I imagine it's another one of the storage containers in the sand or the ore is just being uh, filled into it but it's 
obviously a, a close-up film of real sand being poured in that's like magnified and it's just, I didn't really care for that and it was kind of a uh, <laughs> kind of filler being filled <laughs> like that and pouring it out although they were trying to foreshadow the doctor being stuck in the other uh, container. Oh, when, before that, when he was standing yeah, outside. He, yeah. Sorry, I lost track. He was going back to, to look for Leela and stops and watches this ore filling this, this area. Uh, you can tell it's a miniature, but made to look like it's you know, mm-hmm. full size, almost a t- the height of a person now. But like I said, this is probably just trying to foreshadow what was going to happen to the doctor. When we went into the next portal, the next hatchway. Yeah, probably. Was it necessary? No. <laughs> um, so I didn't like that. Do you want to talk about the uh, corpse marker? <laughs> you mean the bicycle reflector? The bicycle reflector. I was trying really hard not to call it a bicycle reflector, though, because it's like. I, I know, having grown up when, what it, when we did, uh-huh. those were an everyday item. Uh-huh. Unfortunately, that's when this episode was also filmed. Yeah. <laughs> You'd think they would have caught on to the idea that using an everyday item like that, without modifying it in any way. Oh, yeah. Is not, it, that's going to stand out and totally ruin whatever effect you're trying for oh i know it takes you right out it's at least paint the plastic rim around the edges of the reflector yeah make it silver make it black something other than white yeah it's so obvious what it is if you leave it the way it is yeah i know or make it Give it the edging like on their costumes or something. That's what I mean. You've got to you know, gussy it up a little bit. Make Do it look something. square even. Yeah. They need to have like the... Yeah, just, put it in a square frame or... Yeah, just a red anything. reflector kind of texture. But it looked totally different on the outside. That would have been enough to make it look like it belonged on this space mining ship and not on my, my two-wheeler. Yeah, you know it's okay to see to figure out that the pieces of something are something every day. Uh huh. You know it'd be fine if you saw this object and oh, it looks like they've got a little reflector in the middle. Mm-hmm. That's one thing, but to just plop a reflector down and tape it onto some guy's hand and yeah. call it a corpse marker. Yeah. No. That's lazy. It's like with the Daleks. At least the with the plunger attachment, they've like painted the whole thing black or something. You know, so it's not just like your average bathroom plunger with the right. you know the wooden stick and the you know terracotta colored like um, rubber bit. It is, the, but they at least tried. Yeah, they at least like make it all black or all gray to match the Dalek color. <laughs> so you know that hey, that's a plunger. That's really a plunger, but. It takes you a second, you know. I, I'm sure they probably do something. Maybe they did. They did something other than the plunger, but that's really what it looks like. Um, or uh, 
part of a telephone or something. Yeah. And yeah. some some other electronic put with it, and then make them match, make them all red or something. You think, oh, hey, that that looks like you know a phone we used to have, or you know, it's you're a little farther removed from it. Right. Instead of just oh, that's a bike reflector. of disbelief there. Yeah. None at all. <laughs> but uh, on the whole, I liked it. I think it's a, it's an interesting story so far. I, I don't care for the commander's comments about making fun of the the woman who's, who's from a, a, a founding family, a rich family or something like that, who's working on this ship and I can't say I'm really happy with many of the crew people who uh, it could just be that they they mentioned that they're you know we're out in this desert we're not out in this desert to um, you know sit around and investigate this or that we're here to make money so get to work you know he's an abrasive kind of guy but um, the others don't seem much better they're been out I guess on this mining trip for a really long time and getting on each other's nerves so maybe that's coming across with their characters and that they're getting on my nerves the same yeah, way so maybe we're not supposed to like anyone or many of them if that's the case it's working mm-hmm. <laughs> um, what do you think of the doctor's explanation to Leela of how the TARDIS works uh, that the, it's the transcendentalism, in, anyway. Outside, exist in different dimensions. So that, uh, I think it's okay. It's not really as full an explanation as you think he, it really needs, but he was interrupted by the TARDIS landing, mm, so true. maybe he was going to expound on that. About you, it's too simple. I, um, silly. I don't think it's silly. I think, in a way, it is fine because the doctor is trying to explain this very difficult thing to someone who's had absolutely no science training at all. Mm-hmm. So he has to explain it in ways that she's going to understand, regardless of whether they actually make sense or are truly applicable to the pro to the problem. Uh-huh. Nothing says that how he explained it is actually how it works, but that's how he was starting to explain it to her. Right, and I think the approach of the explanation mm-hmm. was good. He had a, a very visual um, example that was easy to change and very simple to manipulate mm-hmm. you know, the two boxes but very you know you obviously see which box and then you know it's like a trick of the eye sometimes but you know, it's a um, very effective to have something like that to, to illustrate a concept mm-hmm. and so I think he was going about it in a really good way not um 
simplistic in the way that he's talking down to her or anything because he knows that she's not having experience with anything scientific, really. Um, but just in a, a putting complex ideas into a physical form that would be a little bit easier to demonstrate. I think was a, a good approach and a, uh, relating things to something else that someone may be more familiar with is a good teaching tool. Mm -hmm. I try to use it a lot when I'm teaching someone about uh, our system or how to, uh, to document something. I try to relate it to something outside of um, actual banking that might make sense if you think about it outside mm -hmm. of that. And I hope it's successful. So, but I like the way you started the explanation. I think part of that might be because of he's, he's uh, Tom Baker is very um, aware of his audience this point too and thinking maybe of explaining it so that his younger viewers would you know kind of follow along with it too with Rira mm -hmm. and learning how to do it how it, how it works so he's very conscious of that yeah that, that's very true is there anything else? No, I don't think so So we're, we're ending. The doctor getting buried alive. Yay. Not worried. No. If you watch the show, you shouldn't be worried. Because um, we know that he can put himself in a meditative state <laughs> to, um, to mimic death and, and he'll be fine. Yeah, that's true. Hope he's, you know, the third doctor did that a couple times. Learned it from the Tibetan monks, remember? Mm-hmm. I wonder if the writers remember. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. That's the question to that's end with, question. really. Will the writers remember that the doctor is not going to suffocate? I guess that's what we will see tomorrow when we talk about episode two of The Robots of Death. Death. Join us then and thank you for listening.